the Don't Drink the Dee. Not yet! <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay, you can go. Well, welcome to Don't Drink the Dee. It is the Agatha Christie podcast Not where yet. we rank Agatha Christie's books one by one. I'm Josh. I'm Charlotte. I'm Zach. And today we have a spectacular episode ahead, an episode that I've been waiting for since day one. It is where we were talking about the So Aggie. this is the book that you were thinking about when we first started the podcast? You're like, all right, we have to do this in order, and I'm going to have to wait 45 books to get there. I was there. just thinking, we may not have a more interesting discussion than we will on Death Means the End. Okay. That and The Hollow. Those are the two I'm most excited about. Okay. Very different ends of the spectrum, but very close together in time. Because The Hollow is uh, sci-fi themed, right? Yes. <laughs> the Hollow is set in the year 2031 That's not... 2031-8. <laughs> That's a baffling way to say the, the time. Like, oh, nine years gone. from now. Welcome to Don't Drink the Tea, the Agatha Christie podcast where we analyze our books one by one. I'm Josh. I'm Charlotte. I'm Zach, but we've already done this. And today we're talking about the most unusual story ever told by one of the truly great mystery story writers, and that is Death Comes as the End. Charlotte, what makes Death Comes as the End the most unusual story ever told? It Ever? Or just that, according Christie. according to the caption on this book, it is the most. They didn't say by Agatha Christie or the most unusual mystery. They said the most unusual story ever told, and that includes Brave Little Toaster. <laughs> that's about a stinking toaster. That's real. <laughs> I meant that's, that's sentient. It's real. He's not because toasters aren't real. They're I'm a real toaster. If you have a toaster, toaster in your house, it is a figment of your imagination. Brave Little Toaster imagines a world where what if toasters were actually real. So why has the image of toasters been projected on our minds all these years it's, if they're not real? It's government propaganda. Propaganda. It's proper propaganda. It is propaganda. That's, now that's some propaganda. <laughs> Take a ganda, this propaganda. I am so sorry. Welcome <laughs> to Don't Drink the Tea. It's the podcast where we analyze our books one by one. I'm Josh. I refuse. <laughs> you refuse to reset. It's staying in. I am not a smoker. Oh, so, Charlotte, why did they call Death Comes as the End of a unusual story ever told by... Welcome to Don't Drink the Tea. They're talking about... <laughs> why is Death Comes as the End the most... I'm just asking. I'm just worried. Okay. That's what the front of your cover says. My cover just says Mystery's number one best-selling author. Reminds the real With one. an introduction by Stephen <laughs> Saylor. <laughs> well, good for him. But why? why would someone say... Why would anyone have any credence to say that Death Comes as the End is the most unusual story ever told and not have a Clearwater Revival to back them up? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, leaving the toasters aside... Um, Born in the bayou! <laughs> waiting for you to finish that off, yeah. Um, the fact that this is a murder mystery, not surprising, but it's set in ancient Egypt. It is the only Christie book not set... Contemporary, yes, uh, yeah. modern, and her historical writing. fiction. Well, let me ask you this, Josh. Okay, you specifically, you can weigh in if you feel like. But he seems like the one who has who's having an aversion to this. What is the most unusual story, if not this? Oh, I good question. Yeah, I don't feel like I'm. Uh, there were some. Was there some resistance in your voice? I don't feel like I'm qualified to say that. But how could this be the most unusual story ever told? You know. But I think that's name good... one more unusual then. I think that's a good question for Zach to be asking though, because you yes. just did make an entire display at the Welcome bookstore we that says weird yes. books. Every display at the bookstore that I just made at Wordplay, every book on that display is more unusual than this book. But granted, all of those books have been written since this book. Yes. But weird books were being written long before this one. Such as? This book is... 
You're really going to hold me to that, aren't you? I am. I think an unusual book is an unusual old book. Well, Island of Dr. Moreau, very unusual story. Uh, uh, the War of the Worlds. Yes. Was weird. Most H.G. Wells stories, um, all very weird. But yeah, it was. But it was also like that was becoming a genre. Yeah, so it wasn't. Um, and I'm not. I'm just saying. I think it's funny that they put that because it is the most unusual story Agatha Christie ever told. Right, but it is also kind of, and we'll talk about this, of course. It's very straightforward, mm-hmm. but just in a really bizarre setting. And mystery historical fiction is a genre. It was not. In right. 1945. Right. This, and I'm not saying no one had ever written a murder mystery before the time that they were alive. But this is the first time a mainstream... Now, let me read what John Curran says as I started Yeah, so, him. okay, what book Whoa. number is this? Of hers? 39, 40... Let me see. Can I check? Let me see. Please do. I mean, our, you know, the number might be off slightly. Well, uh, just roughly. F- yeah. 43. Okay. So, dead middle of her career, she decides to do this. And, you know, the publishers, you know, they wanted Poirot. They mm-hmm. knew that was the most popular thing. So, they were, and don't we all? But And then, I don't think anybody on the money-making side of the table who knew that Christie's were, like, they were very bankable. I don't think anybody was like, oh, great, you wrote an ancient Egypt story. We're super thrilled about that. So, I just needed to look something up because, of, because there's okay. another very famous... Um, historical okay. fiction mystery and I wanted to know when it was when they came out. I'm pretty sure it was is post this book. But anyway, when you type in when did to Google, my algorithms give me when did Jeffrey Dahmer die, which was November 28th, 1994. Good to know. Just so you know, but uh yeah, just needed to share that. Continue. This is what John Coran says and listen to this. Long before the current vogue for mystery set in the past, Agatha Christie was a pioneer. Death Comes as the End, written in 1943, was an experiment created at the instigation of Stephen Glanville, a professor of Egyptology, which we're going to have a professor of Egyptology on the podcast later today. Special guest! And a friend of Max Mallow and Christie's second husband. He provided her with much of the basic information and gave her books to study in order to get details correct. Considered purely as a classical detective story, this novel does not pass the key test. There are no clues for the reader to spot and interpret, thereby arriving at a logical solution. But as a tense and readable whodunit, it passes with flying colors. So we so, will discuss that. But Brother Catfile, uh, which is the one that I was thinking of, oh, which yes, is yeah. which are murder mysteries that are set right. in like what the Middle Ages, like medieval mm-hmm. England. They came out in 1990. Right. I mean, I know there are others, but also when I was looking up mystery murder, when you Google murder mystery set in ancient Egypt, mm-hmm. again you get a bunch of stuff that was written in like. Late nineties, early two exactly. thousands, when that was popular, right? Yeah. So this is what nineteen forty six, something like that. Is that where we are right now? With yeah, nineteen forty five is when it was published. So as with so many things with Christie, it was a first for her. It was unusual for her. It was yes. a, a branching out for her, but also for literature. Period. Yeah. This was something new and different. She was a trendsetter, and like I said, I'm gonna. I don't think people. Know about this? No, and I know that's one of the reasons you're excited to talk about. Oh it. yeah, on Goodreads I said did it first, did it best, and what's when he's right, he's right. What's super interesting about this book is that it is also among the Christie fandom. I think the most divisive book on whether or not you like it or dislike it. 
Okay. It's high I've up there. I've never talked with anyone else about right. it prior to so, today, so. Right, because I always, like, look on, like, you know, I used to be part of, like, the Christie Forum on the Agatha Christie page, which they destroyed, obviously. Uh-huh. And, you know, when people discuss books, or among, among Christie, because <laughs> it needed to be destroyed, or the world could no longer exist. The hate speech that was there. <laughs> uh, but, and then whenever the you read, whenever you read books about Christie, you know, when we read that book on essays, the one person was like, death comes as the end. Ambitious, but an obvious failure. John Coran yeah. saying, you know, doesn't work as detect, but it's tense, readable, passes with flying colors. This is the one that I always see such conflicting. So on the podcast, which I don't usually talk about on this podcast, because it's like one of the only Agatha Christie podcasts I know about, but it's all about Agatha, which is, it's very much like this podcast if they weren't insane. Like it's very informative. Oh, so it's not it's cool. Not, as funny as ours. <laughs> and you gotta have heart. I'm sorry, you can give us facts, but you gotta have heart. And so they the host of that really creating a lot of drama between us and that other <laughs> Agatha Christie yeah, podcast. That our, I've never listened there to. There goes our sponsorship. <laughs> um the host did not care for it, and Alex Michaelides, a huge Agatha Christie fan, came on the podcast and said, like, I was screaming at my phone when you were talking bad about Death Comes as the End. Oh, that's great. And I've heard a bunch of different authors when they talk about it. It's just one that it is. It splits people down the middle, which it fascinates me. You're well. You're probably gonna have strong feelings about it one way or the other. I'm sure, yeah. Zach. You have very strong feelings. About the only thing I have strong feelings about is the phrase "split." Uh, what? Did, how did you say it? How can you have that strong of feelings? Because <laughs> because the, the proper uh, answer is it would split people in twain. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I thought you were gonna say I did it wrong, but why well, did? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I you don't were right feel, to call him. Out I don't that. feel like this is a book where you're like, eh. At the end, I feel like you're gonna feel a certain way. Yeah. Um, it. So, it's controversial. It is uh, controversial is a strong word because it's just a movie yeah. fan. It is one of the very few that has never been made into a movie. It's mm-hmm. never been adapted in any single way. There's like two or three left that have not been touched even for in language films. It, this always like shows up if you look up Christie films upcoming. It's always it, for the last couple of years. It's been in production. I saw that, but it, that's been for a long time. It's yeah. just, I think it's just the idea that they're like, well, this one has it, and I think it would make a good movie. But uh, it's also hard to market because it's. I yeah. Um, it feels like it could be like a BBC thing mm-hmm. that they did I, because they have extremely high production values especially if they did um, it like the because the they've Hugh done why didn't they ask evans yeah and what was it now was the bbc that did that one or somebody else did the pale horse with rufus sewell that was amazon prime okay so i feel like yeah i feel like one of the streaming services could yeah. definitely do high budget a small screen high mm-hmm. budget thing with this because there's nothing missing mm-hmm. from this at all no it and Everything about it is transferable. You could take this entire plot. The only thing you would have to do is change the names and put it in a completely different setting, not change a single other thing, and it would work. Yeah. The only thing that's unusual is the setting, but the setting changes everything. Exactly. And so, yeah, that's another unique thing about it. It's never been touched. It's one that we've never been able to see on the screen. Um, obviously super well-researched because Christie's husband was an archaeologist. She got really into this idea of writing this book, so she sketches it out. It's also one that has, that had a big mystery around it because in Christie's autobiography, she said that, um, the expert who inspired her argued with her a great deal on the point of the denouement, and she said she, she said, I'm sorry to say that I gave in to him in the end. 
If I think I've got a certain thing right in a book the way it should be, I'm not easily moved from it. In right. this case, against my better judgment, I did give in. It was a moot point, but I still think now when I reread that book that I would like to rewrite the end of it. But I was a little hampered by the gratitude I felt to Stephen for all the trouble he had taken and the fact that it had been his idea in the first place. <laughs> That's <clears throat> funny. Um, I like that she put it out there, though. Yeah. That she was like, look, this, was, this wasn't me, but I was being nice. And um, so not... I thought, when we talked about this prior, I thought, you know, I misunderstood and thought that she changed the killer. And but you're not saying that. You're saying that it was the way that it was revealed. And that is also what I've always thought. And it's possible. We don't know. Okay. There is different trails. I have a belief that she did not change the killer, but there are some backup killers in the notebook that it could have been. Okay. So, and then the, I think the killer is one thing that people have issue with with the book sometimes. Um, so really be interesting to discuss that for, so, um, because I don't, I, yeah, I, I read this a long time ago. Um, and it's funny because I remember reading it and I, I remember thinking it was a bit of a slog, like that it, that it was like hard to get through. And I remember thinking a completely, several different people were the killer. I did not remember the actual solution at oh, all. Wow. So I was I was surprised again oh, when I read sweet. it, I was, That's cool. and I was like, "Did I read the whole thing?" I'm pretty sure that I did because mm -hmm. I I usually don't not finish books, especially not a Christie. But I remember thinking the first time that I read this, "Oh yeah, this is kind of a weird one-off," and I had a totally different reaction when I read it this yeah. time. I think if you come into this early, it might be off-putting. Um, but I yeah I when I I always remember liking this one for what she did but not necessarily an execution. And when I read it this time, I also had a completely different reaction and was and there was a lot of things in it that I was like, oh, I forgot about this. I forgot right. about this. That's so, so, that I love so much. Um, <clears throat> I don't necessarily think that she changed the killer because it's the same thing that I said with Tour of Zero. I think the killer that she picks is always the absolute perfect killer. So I don't think she changed it. I think there was something different in the, in the denouement. Right, because it was... It was kind of a, a trope where she comes back around to a situation that had already happened twice. Yeah. With two other deaths. And, and that's a thing that happens in a lot of mm -hmm. books. I'm sure it has a name, and I'm not smart enough to know yeah. what it is. Um, it's like some sort of dramatic irony. It's like a, it's like a deja vu kind yeah. of thing, yeah. And <laughs> where, you're, where you're putting a, a person that you've kind of stuck with through the whole story... You're putting them into the exact same situation that yeah. a, a, that the victim was in, but they get out of it. Yeah. That probably has a name, and I feel really stupid. And I wonder but, if that was what changed the ending of that, if someone did or did not get out of it in her original ending. Yeah, that's possible. Uh, but I feel like she might have... That feels like something that someone else would have suggested. Hmm. Someone who was, who was not a, a mystery writer would yeah. have been like, hey, you know what you could do? And she was probably like... Everybody does that, but okay, fine. Yeah, Steven possibly. or whatever it was. Right, Steve. You um, get your way this one time. Yeah, so this story focuses on an ancient Egyptian family. Um, the father is the Ka priest, which means that they are like assigned to take care of a tomb of mm. someone royal or someone important. Who like isn't even in there yet, right? Right, it was they're the feeling just like that I got. It, prepared. it was, it was an, yeah. it's an empty tomb, and it's like a full time job that they have. Like the, this family, right. and it's really it. prestigious. <clears throat> yeah, and so he and I have my. I just 
I love that this book also has a cast of characters. Always getting a cast oh, of yeah. characters. Mine doesn't. And so the father's name, and we both listened to the same audiobook so we would get the pronunciation of the characters, <laughs> right? So the father's name is Imhotep. Mm-hmm. And so he is, he's fussy, he's pompous, he's a bit of a hothead, and he does not... He's short. He's she a makes control. A big, she yeah, makes a big short, deal about stout, that for some reason. He has a hand like He's not stout. that short. <laughs> Zach, you have a real Imhotep complex. I know. Oh my gosh. And uh, he has three sons, but he's not very trusting to leave the work to them. He's a control freak. Because his oldest son... He is son, a micromanager. Yeah, his oldest son, Yachmosa. Yachmosa. Did yeah. I say it, Zach? Yachmosa. 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 And I've always just said Yamos when I'm yeah. reading it, but then I listened to Amelia Fox say it on the audiobook, and she was like, Yachmosa. And I was like, yes. <laughs> um, so that's his oldest son, and so when... Imhotep, like, leaves to go take care of business elsewhere. He, like, leaves things in the hand of Yakumosa, but they all Because know he knows he'll do exactly what he's told. He doesn't have always really always imagination. He'll always be berated for, for mistakes, and he's, he's... They call him quiet and kind, but with no courage. He's spineless. Yeah. And, and the next brother down is Sobek, right? Yeah, Sobek is the complete opposite. He's, like, a, he's a braggart. He's full of himself. He, like... Wants to take charge and make up his own decisions. Talk about how good looking he is and yeah. how his ideas he's a TikTok, are always so great. Uh, Sobek's a TikTok boy. And Yakumosa is a no, Yakumosa uh, boy. The, the third son. <laughs> That's true, Drew. Because he has a third son who he spoils rotten named Ippy. I didn't get that far. Yeah, I think it's Ippy. It's and I-P-I. His yeah. mother's name was I-P-Y. So it's like... No, the god's name was I-P-Y. Right? No, his mom. His mom's name was... I thought the mom's name was Ashurat. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry, no, because they, yeah, there's a god Sorry. name that they named him after the god, but they okay. changed the name to make it cute. Um, and Ippy's just spoiled rotten, and because of that, he's like, he is the <laughs> worst child in the history of and the he's, world. He's 16. Yeah, he's 16, and, and he, he's but like, he walks I'm around, gonna run this house. He walks and around, and he's like, 12, Shut up, Ippy. And he's like, You all suck. I'm the coolest kid in the world, and everybody hates Ippy. I feel like, you know how people today, like, like spell Haley, the girl's name, Haley. Right. Somebody spell it. H-A-I-L-E-Y. <laughs> See? Yeah. I feel like that's what they were doing with Ippy's name. Like, the yeah. god's name or goddess's name was I-P-Y. They're like, we're going to be different. I P I P I, And everybody was like, whoa now. Stop being weird. These stupid millennial Egyptians. So those are his three sons. There's obviously a power dynamic that you can see. <laughs> it's just fun that you're able to use a regular word and then throw Egyptian afterwards. It's clever, right? And it, it, just, it sounds to you like it worked. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy Gen Z Egyptians. That works. Yachmosa's wife is Satipi. Satipi? Satipi, I think, Satipi, yeah. who is what uh, Christy called in her notebook a shrew. Oh, yeah. Very old-fashioned. Yeah, she is bossy. She is always... Loud. She is always degrading Akmosa for not standing up to her father, very yeah. verbally in front of everybody. She is... She, is, she, gets she wears the, best. the tunic in that. I don't know what that they wore. That doesn't, doesn't work. What no. do they wear? She never describes their clothes. Like, very rarely does she Just describe their linen. clothes. Just yeah, linen, yeah. She like, wore the linen in the family. Like Everybody wore linen. Zach. <laughs> what are you asking me for? <laughs> What is uh? I just love her guy. <laughs> she didn't feel she like it. Fine, I don't think it sounds like it hurt her. Ow! <laughs> uh, Sorry. Tall, energetic, loud-tongued woman who bullied her husband and outraged everyone else. That's Setipi. And Sobek's wife, again, opposite. Yeah. Is Kite, 
who uh, she's just all about her kids. Everybody kind of just says she's like dumb and she's just like obsessed plain. with her kids. They keep kids. talking about her being plain and yeah. yeah. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> That's an old classic. That's a joke from Maine Josh. And uh, Imhotep also mm. has a daughter who is returning, and she's the protagonist of the book. Like, this is kind of, it's in third person, but it's mostly from her perspective. Yeah, she's, she's the focus of the book, and her name, I, I want you to, to tell me how you would pronounce this second. Okay. R-E-N. Hold on, let me, let me write this down so I can, <laughs> okay. I can look at it. Yeah. R-E-N-I-S-E-I-S-E-N-B. N-B. Uh, Renesimb. <laughs> Pretty close. Very Renis- good. Yeah, Renesimb. Renesimb? Renesimb. Nice. Yep. So Renesimb. The NB turns into like an yeah. MB. Because I was always reading it in my very head good. as Renesimba, which <laughs> uh-huh. is like too much. Because uh-huh. it's, it's a very muted sound, Renesimba. Yeah. And she's a widow. Like her husband died. She had left she's the very family. Young, she's still. a young widow. And she's come back to live. And, um... She she's not a typical Christie protagonist. Like she's she, not like the other girls. She's not like the other girls. Like you know, Renesemba's different, <laughs> and she's she's more meek, and she's not. She's necessarily, very introverted. Yeah, she's not like going out there to like get to the truth, and she wants everything just to stay the same, like, mm-hmm. to come back and and for everything to be normal. And at first, it seems like it is when she returns. And uh, there's Hanette who is, like, the housekeeper of the family, who is, like, very simpering to the father. And, but she's, like, a horrible gossip, and she's, like, just, everybody hates her except the dad because mm-hmm. she, like, goes around just telling him everything that she sees around yeah. the house. And they she's can't get rid of her. Like, she's been there for years. She's always going to be there. And she's just a blight on the family. Yeah. And I, I thought it was interesting. I didn't notice this until Amelia Fox's narration, but... She's a housekeeper in ancient Egypt, and Christy kind of writes her dialogue like a cockney. Yeah, like yes, because she read it. Yeah, she read she, her lines. And I never would have noticed that, but the way the and sentences it, I are know. structured, and I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, that works. Yeah, because what it was, was cool. the the one like there right at the beginning? She has this huge chunk. Yeah, this of long like, paragraph of dialogue. Yeah. Ha. Uh, ha. <laughs> I'm Hanette. I'm Hanette. It was like something. How will something something? I just don't know. You right. Know, like it was exactly. Yeah, it worked when she did it in the accent. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. that's totally it. And I never, I hadn't heard that in my head because she does a good job with making the dialogue sound ancient mm. and uh, very sophisticated and classical. Um, and then there's the like the matriarch of the family, uh, Imhotep's mom, Isa, or yeah, Isa, who is you know. She's pretty much bedridden. She doesn't do much anymore. And she's just an old lady who, like, is... She lives in luxury. And that's pretty much her life. She's like, I'm old. I deserve to eat nothing but the awesome food and chickens that are cooked really, really cool. And... To and get, yell at people. And to yell at people. And, and telling everybody why they rubbed into my legs 24-7 and to save whatever I want because I'm old. Right. And then those are the... the that's the essential family. Uh, Imhotep has a scribe named Hori who's always been around the family. Mm-hmm. And old faithful, yeah. yeah. And so they have this dynamic, like we said, where yeah, you know, the dad is in control. Yakmosa can't; he should be the one that would take control. As right. Imhotep gets old, he's not doing it. Setipi is like, you're weak, you're spineless. I hate having a husband who's not a man. Yeah. And Kite's like, look, my baby just pooted. Yeah. And 
Then Imhotep comes back, while all, and then Renesemba is like, this dynamic is exactly how I left it. It's so comforting, even yeah. though everybody is horrible. And right, it's just what she's used to. Yeah, she's, she's like, man, I love that you guys are all still terrible to each other. And then Imhotep comes back, and... So, they knew he was coming back, yeah. yeah. He, and yeah, and right. he's like, y'all, meet my new girlfriend! <laughs> Imhotep brought back a concubine. And this immediately, everybody's like, nope, <laughs> no. And she's very young, very beautiful. And it's like very, she has an attitude. Like you could just tell by her face, like, oh, this girl is yeah. arrogant. She's full of herself. Yeah. And immediately, like everybody's upset. He didn't tell them. This changes the whole dynamic of the family. Yeah. And very quickly, and I, I, no fret is her name. No fret. Yeah. And very quickly, no, no fret. No, no fret. fret. She's always joking. And very quickly, no fret is calling the shots. Like, she's telling yeah. Kite's kids to, like, stay out of the pool area while Imhotep is lounging. And don't run by the pool. For, for a half a second, Renison tries to be her friend. Like, yeah. maybe she's misunderstood. And then it's like, oh, no, she's a jerk. <laughs> and she wants to, like, run this house. And yeah. so... Uh, she's she's a trophy wife. Yeah, and so she's, like, telling Imhotep, like, no, don't go Yakumosa with this. And, like, you know... It's like... People don't respect you enough. Right. Like, the only person who really respects you is me. Like, Imhotep is already a control freak, and she's like, you should be more of a control freak. Like, that's kind of yeah. cool. But she's encouraging all of the best beha- worst behavior from him. Yeah. And so he has to go back to do business somewhere else, and... And he's like, everybody be nice to this right. person. And the old lady's brought. like, hey, take your concubine. Like, you don't want to leave her here. And he's like, guys, it's fine. And like Zach always. We've heard that before. (laughs) And uh, very rarely is it fine. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And and she's like, no, seriously, take your concubine. Take your little girlfriend because bad things are going to happen. He's like, no, everybody respects me and no one's going to do anything. Like, and we're talking about, like, what were some of the first things that they did to her? Like, like destroyed some of her clothes. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. put something in her food. And it's the wives doing it. Little spiteful things. Yeah, they're like, oh, um, Somebody slap her? Somebody slaps her. She writes this big letter to him That's about how, how badly ends. she was like, treated. Satippi slaps her at the end because of a big fight that they have right. when they're confronted about it. But, this. like, that's considered, like, the worst thing. And he sends yeah. this awful letter, and he's like, I'm disinheriting all of my children and giving everything to my concubine. Because I told you to treat my concubine right. Because you mess with her food. Yeah. And then it was like, no, you don't know how this is going to escalate, buddy. Right. So, up to this point, this is... So close to the top, if not the top, of the most tense Christie book ever. Uh-huh. One of the more tense books I've read recently. Like everybody from except Renesemb, everybody hates everybody, and, mm-hmm. and they're a family. And right. every piece of dialogue is poison. Mm-hmm. And so, like you know, obviously you have the weird dynamic with the husbands and wives, but Hanette, like she's sort of helping No Fret by telling Imhotep about the way that she's been treating. So everybody's yeah. mad at Hanette, and so obviously. Before Imhotep can come back, what do you think happens to the concubine? She gets killed. She gets killed. They find her at the bottom of a cliff, her body all mangled and dead. And so then they're like, oh, she... She, she fell. fell. She, she fell. She yeah. fell. Guys, guys, she fell. Guys. That was rough, but she fell. And so, like, back then they weren't going to be like, oh, let's get the Egypt police involved. They're just kind of <laughs> like, well, let's bury her and we'll tell Imhotep when he... Well, they write him a letter and like, oh, by the way, your concubine, like, she fell off a 
Oh, she, she fell a little bit. <laughs> she fell. Can you? You should bring back a new one. <laughs> and so he gets back, and he's like, "What the heck happened?" But they were like, "Oh no, no, she fell. She fell." But and everybody, he was, was kind of like, you know, and he was kind of like, "Oh well, that's rough." But yeah. oh well. And and it, concubines a dime a dozen. You know what I mean? A cool thing yeah. about the story at the beginning is like he's like nothing is t- too good for no fret. He's yeah. like buying all these things, and then after no fret dies, they're like. Oh, should we like do this for her funeral? Should we do this like with the embalming? And he's like, "That's pretty expensive." Like, can we cut back? Can a we cut bit? back? And because yeah. it just shows how like stupid this man is. That yeah. like it was just like he wanted a, a young girlfriend and to drive yeah. around. It was a midlife crisis concubine. Yeah, it was. It was definitely a midlife crisis moment. So as soon as No Fret dies, and uh, Red and Sam, you think like, oh, okay, well that was the problem, because everybody talks about like her being like a, a snake. Like, yeah. okay, there was this cobra that accidentally got in the house, but it, it's it's gone, it's fine now. Yeah. And so when And the, you expect everything to kind of go back to normal, but everything right. is like whacked That out. changes the whole dynamic of the house. Because Sobek beforehand was the one that was because he's the loud boisterous one. He's like, I'm pretty much says I'm gonna kill the concubine. With you know, he doesn't say that, but he's making he's it clear. like you better watch out, something's gonna happen. And a snake gets into the house and he like murders it in front of everybody. And so whenever they see No Fret later, they're like, okay, we, we can kind of figure out that Sobek did this. Mm-hmm. But one weird thing about it is Renesem, when she's coming up and finds the body, Satipi, who is Yachmosa's wife, who's been like the bossy uh-huh. yelling at, she's trying to stop her from going she's over like, the She's like, yeah, yeah, don't, you there's don't nothing over there. there. There's nothing, you don't have to go over there. And then they go around the corner like, no, there's a dead concubine. And then she's like, I didn't see that. What? <laughs> so after the death of the concubine, the whole dynamic changes. Satipi is suddenly like really, really introverted subdued and subdued. And doesn't say anything. And, and Kite is like, oh, I'm the boss now. Yeah. And Yachmos, I haven't got a chance Yachmosa. to say it. It's Yachmosa, sorry. Yeah, yeah I didn't do it right. That's, that's really fun to say. It is an awesome name. <laughs> now that I know how it's pronounced, he's, he's like, He's like, all right, well, I think I'm going to. What did you say? Wear the tunic. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was speaking too fast. I wear the linen now. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. Yakmos is like, okay, I can kind of stand up now and take charge. And the same thing with Imhotep. He he shrinks. Like he's there was yes. like he has aged ten years in the space of, of of a couple months. Yeah. And he's like, oh well, yeah. Everybody do whatever. I'm sorry about that whole thing. Can we just forget it? Because before he was like, no, nothing will get done without me. Right. I run the house. Blah blah blah. And now he's like, just becomes as old as he actually yeah. is. The death of No Fret changes everybody. And that's so interesting because a common criticism of Christie is that the characters have no development. And for mystery books, that's often true. A couple characters will have development, but the true development happens at the very end of the book for mm-hmm. every character. Yeah. But in this one, I think it's one of the few where you see such a sharp change with every character after you've gotten to know them really well uh-huh. and see all of them fall into a new place in this game. I right. think it's beautifully done. Yeah. It's great. And not in a... There were a, there were occasions where she was very on the nose. Yes. Like, she kind of... Armchair psychology. It's like, uh, oh, by the way, in case you didn't get the subtlety, this is what I meant by yeah. that. And she explains Occasionally, it. yeah. But, but for the most part, if you were to just take those few lines out, mm-hmm. for the most part, the, the way that it presents the... It, it's very soap opera yeah. but the way it presents this dysfunctional family, it's just it's just relatable. She doesn't mm-hmm. try to make it anything that it's not. And again, it could be any family. It reminded me a lot of uh, 
borrows Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you've got Act the same that, thing. Yeah. You've got you've got the old guy who wants to shake stuff up and he is kind of uh, he he was a little bit more like. Um, he was more vicious. Yeah, he was more vicious than even Tech was. But idiot. he's got like he's got the rebellious son. He's got the handsome son, and he's got the reliable son. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never realized, like almost the exact same. T- I read this in a day, which I was shocked at yeah. how fast I could read it. Like it just it just went. It was like, oh wow, I have to read turn. this. Yeah. Um, just before I read this, I watched Knives Out. For like the second time, I've oh, only yeah. this is only the second time I've watched it all the way through, mm-hmm. um, and then I I didn't realize oh wow he took a lot from this mm-hmm. from Christie in general but that formula but yeah 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 because it's it's so family readable, the dysfunctional family where literally everybody is crazy except usually like one outlier yeah um, like Renison or uh, Marta yeah yeah and the one thing that I forgot to say is that. Like I said, that this book's controversial. It doesn't get much recognition. But interestingly enough, the detective, the Crime Writers Guild put out like their top 100 mysteries in the 90s, which like covered all of Golden Age, like, you know, Uh up to that point. And they only had three Christie's on the list. And I get they didn't want it to be incredibly dominated by by Christie. And this was one of them. It was. Oh, wow. And then there were none, I think, Orient Express or Roger Ackroyd. Yeah. And then Death Comes as the End, which I thought was such an interesting. Interesting pick that I don't think anybody else would choose, but it's so cool because I think they, as writers, recognized what you did there was mm-hmm. brilliant and it was brave, it was ambitious, and yeah. you pulled it off. Yeah, yeah, because it's not in any way inaccessible. No. Like, oh, okay, and and you could just hand this to someone and be like, that was very modern. Yeah, very modern. Yeah, you could just yeah, just, it's set in ancient Egypt, but other than that, yeah. there's nothing about it that's not accessible or yeah. or easy to follow. But still, yeah, people just don't do this, you know? And what were you, were, what you were saying about sometimes, like, the exposition, like, pointing it out, it's very simple for prose where it just kind of states things. It works almost in this style sometimes more than it does in some of her other books for me because it just feels like this is an ancient tale. And so right. sometimes and the prose just kind of really gels with that where it's not going to be, like, this really flowery extra stuff. It's like, this is right. the tale. And, and I, not to pick on, like, Dorothy L. Sayers, for example, but because I haven't read much of her stuff. Dorothy L. Sayers, she, you nerd. <laughs> but she wasn't... I think if she would have done this, it, there would have been big chapters about Egypt or the yeah. politics of Egypt or what Egypt looked like. And this was kept so clean-lined that it, she describes the house, mm-hmm. she describes the Nile, you know, like, there's the river, like, it's kind of like the Eiffel Tower, you can it's see it there. no matter where you are. It's over there. <laughs> like, oh, yep, there's the Nile. Everybody's got we a Nile like the, view. The, yeah, there was property. a line where they said, like, we all like the Nile here. <laughs> yeah. But, like, <laughs> in the... <laughs> I love that line. It's the only line that can I Can you go out and mow the Nile? <laughs> <laughs> no laughing. <laughs> I told you I wouldn't tell any good jokes, and I've lived up to that, so. Yeah, I don't know why that was so funny. I just saw Christy's note about Ippy, where she wrote, Son, bad lad. <laughs> bad lad. <laughs> that's how she... To, to that's all, that's all you need. But yeah, she didn't um, add all that stuff. It felt kind of nah. like, um, like when you do, when people do a stage play, yeah. and they, keep, they, they have like no props or, or one prop mm-hmm. that can change... In, to morph into different shapes. I feel yeah. like that's what it was. Everything was fully developed. Everything was there. 
but you supply so much more of it as you read it than right. you realize. As she always. didn't get this wasn't like yeah. oh the politics of mm-hmm. ancient Egypt none of that boring stuff. Yeah, because they were like outside of it all by being at this tomb, which I think was such a good choice. Yeah, that like the only characters that exist in this book are the ones that live at this house. Like, and, which is why yeah. I, when I read this book, the because it's unlike anything she's ever read. The only one I ever think about is, and then there were none, because it's like one a locked room or one place, small group of people, tons of death. Yeah. No detective and everybody having like that, everybody hating each other and having this right. sneaky suspicion. And, and it feels claustrophobic even yeah. though it's in this huge, like they have this huge house in in Egypt. There's nothing claustrophobic about the actual setting. Yeah. But the circumstances have reduced it down to you feel like you can't get away. Now we've only talked about the first death. As far as I can tell, because I can't remember how many people die in Murder is Easy, but it's like five or six. It's up there. Yeah, this book, I think, has the second most deaths in a book. Second highest body count? Yeah, the, the back of the book says seven. And so... Okay. Yeah, we can go through some of those. So, <laughs> after Nofret dies, uh, you know, Satipi's been acting weird. Satipi's on the cliff. They're coming up to see her. They all think she's been acting strange. And Yachmosa's coming up to her like, Satipi, what's up? And she, like, looks over her, his shoulder, and she, like, backs up. And she falls off the cliff and dies the same way we imagine No Fret did. So that's two deaths. Two deaths. And do we have someone coming up the hill? Let's pause for pizza. What? <laughs> Speaking of like, you know, um, the dialogue and everything being tense, when you order pizza and someone says to you, we'll get it to you as soon as we can. That to me is really ominous. <laughs> like you may never see this pizza. We'll go with you to the door. I won't. With our, so that's, two. <laughs> so that's two. And so jumping out of order a little bit here, but there's this this idea in the head of the family that Nofret's spirit is the one that's committing these murders to follow because they uh-huh. find like they find some of her stuff that wasn't buried with her, and they feel like she's revenging herself on the family. And so mm-hmm. since Setipi was the one who was like, don't don't go over there. They're like, oh, Setipi killed her. And so right. Satipi died. It's justice. Let's just forget it. It's yeah. over. They keep trying to go back to normal. Yeah. And so the next thing is, you know, Yahmosa and Sobek are like, they're celebrating some business thing going right. Things are going well. It's a little bit after these events have happened. They know, keep going. They keep saying like, well, you know what? You, we've just got, we've got business. Yeah. We've got business. We've got to take care of this. We can't just stop everything because celebrate, people are dying. Celebrate with this yummy wine. Sobek drops dead, and because yeah, he drank like a ton of it. And yeah, because Yahmosa sat down and had like a couple like little sips. His wine. Yeah. And the other guy comes in and is just throwing Sobek, him back. Sobek was like Zach with his orange juice. <laughs> he sat down and he's like, see this bottle of wine? I'm going to finish <laughs> I'm it. I'm drinking the whole thing. And at the end, he was like, I don't feel so good, but I'm going to finish it anyway. And then <laughs> as he's dying, he's like, oh, because that was poison. So I don't s- see the similarity. <laughs> So Sobek's dead now, and Yahmosa is near dead. He's being, like, nursed back to health. And Imhotep yeah. is like, oh, my gosh, people are dropping dead. And there's no, like, oh, there's a murderer in our house. Right. And it's like the spirit of Nofret is tr- picking off the members of our family. Which I love their solution to that. And yeah. I genuinely laughed about it. <laughs> I did not know that this was an ancient Egypt thing. Because, like, they would put all... The reason that there was all the stuff in the tombs is because they believed that the afterlife was basically just... 
what life is now. Yeah. So like, oh, whatever you need Bury now. So like, okay, we have to give you food. We have to give you statues of servants because you know, like, like the stuffed animals in your room. As soon as you like close the door, they come to life. And when you, you open got the door, they go, a friend in me. Yes. <laughs> food, clothing, their favorite jewelry. Like they had to have yeah. all of this stuff with them because they were gonna need it yeah. in the next life. So their solution to like to calm this 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 uh, avenging spirit was to write a letter to their lawyer, basically. Yeah. And be like, you know what? You All of these people involved in this are dead. They're, they write this letter to, like, his dead wife, and they're like, you know, you've got some really powerful friends. Could you please help us out with this? Can you stop her from, like, messing stuff up and killing us? Right. And they're like, we know you're busy. <laughs> we know this is going to take a while. It, you know, bureaucratic red tape, am I right? Basically, is this letter that they write. And then they inscribe it on a bowl and like leave the bowl sit out in the sun and they're like well it's all we can do <laughs> so it seems like everything's gonna be good uh but one of the servants uh goes up and tells them i saw a woman put the poison in the wine and the way he describes it it's very clear he's describing the spirit of no fret put the poison in the wine and she was wearing linen this is super creepy and we all are wearing linen but that kid had some of the wine too and he dies the next day Oh, I forgot about that. Okay, yes, so that's four. That's four deaths. Okay. Yeah, so things are getting creepy. That's a lot of people being dead. And Speaking um, of creepy, Ippy is like, it's time for me to shine. Yeah, so Ippy's like, I'm Bad taking charge. Lad. And so Issa, Issa is a very cool character. Issa's like Issa's the old awesome. lady. And she knows, because she's not stupid. She's like, you know, this this religion is dumb. And she's like, people are dead. Yeah, people are dying, and it's someone in this house that's doing it, not yeah. a spirit. And so she's like, so we need to take charge. So she's talking to people, and and Hori is kind of like Hori and Renison are the like the people that aren't just motivated by their greed or their. They're the ones that you're you're meant to be attached to because right. they are the most honest yeah. and reliable people. The thing, is, and I I like Hori as a character, and I think he was very relatable but it really annoys me that he's always like well i have an idea but i shouldn't tell you yeah and then this is like the next person dies he's like well that was my idea <laughs> i have this other idea but i'm not gonna tell anyone they, and uh, then that person died they weren't good at preventing on, preventing deaths um but she so she's like, she's, well, i knew i was right she's the one she's like i'm pretty sure i've got this like like, because Hanette keeps telling her stuff about how things go. She pretty much has an idea of what's going on. And she's like, people are dropping dead. I am not going to die. Yeah. Like, because I know. She's so, like, I can take care of myself. Yeah. So she has, like, everybody's having their servants try their food. And there's this great part where Hanette is like, she's there while her chicken comes. And Hanette's like, oh, she's always like, oh, I'll serve you. I'll do anything for you. I would die for you. And then he's just like, all right, eat that chicken. She's like, what? She's like, yeah, I mean. It's probably poison, so go ahead, eat that chicken. And then she like talks to her the whole time, she's like, "Oh, isn't it good? Isn't it moist? And like those seasonings." Yeah. And then I was like, "I know I'm gonna die." She doesn't die, thankfully. Yeah. But, yeah. Um. So yeah, Ippy is acting like he's like running the house, and he kept he keeps saying things like, "Again, a neat dynamic." He's like, "Nobody else around here can do anything," which which gets repeated over and over again, which I think is kind of nice because that's the way it would actually be. Mm. He's like, but I'm going to take over and I'm going to run things. And, and you think dad was strict. Wait till I get a hold of yeah, everything. Because Yakmosa can't do anything. He's like on his oh, yeah. death. Oh, yeah, because he's like supposed to be recovering, but he like still can't walk. Like the doctor keeps saying like he should be recovering, but he keeps getting worse. And that's when they're like, oh, we have to like stop letting him eat the food that 
that is just coming from the kitchen because yeah. we think now he's being slowly poisoned right. so that each and every day he gets weaker and weaker when he should be getting better. So Ippy keeps bragging. He is eventually found drowned in like the, the Nile. He's no, like, no, no. It was, like, or... it, it was like um, in their fountain yeah. in the garden. It was in yeah. ditch water. Ditch water. Because he, yeah. he was like, Fiji! <laughs> <laughs> so that's five, right? That was epic. Oh, five oh, deaths. Liquid death, yeah. Fiji! Fiji! And this, this isn't Fiji. And so obviously we're spoiling like the whole book in case you can't tell because we're going. Death I don't think people death. expect anything else. Yeah, yeah. I don't know anything okay. that's happened. So we're up to five. Okay, and that's even if you know what we've said up to this point. I highly recommend this book. It's extremely readable. I love a dysfunctional family. I love a tragic family, and it's just like you don't get mysteries like this anymore. So simple and like the dropping of flies. The, the and if you want something that's like that's unusual but still has a slight feeling of comfort to it, then yeah. that, that works for this. So if you want to read it, go ahead and read it. We haven't spoiled it where you won't enjoy it. I have known The Killer. I think it was spoiled to me before I actually read it. And I have enjoyed it every time, <laughs> this time, well, immensely. If you are, you know, an airhead like me, you'd be like, wow, wow they did it? Every time. Whoa. So, I did not see that coming. One okay, of the we're most, up to five. Yeah, one of the most memorable scenes, I think, of all of Christie's literature that has stuck with me always is Issa being like, I'm not going to die. Mm-hmm. So she has like all of her food taste tested. She is so extremely careful. She like reseals her wine every time yeah. so that nobody can mess with it. And so reading it, you're like, oh, Issa's probably going to live because she's like, no, this isn't going to happen to me. But there's this really, really cool scene where she has like her, she has her daily massage. She has like the oils and lotions mm-hmm. like massaged into her limbs. And then afterwards, she's like, I feel horrible. I feel kind of like I'm going to die, but I'm old, so is that fine? She's like, wait, no, this is poison. I've been poisoned. And she's like pretty methodical about how she thinks about it. She's like, like, how? How How did they do it? And it was through the oils that they they massaged her in. And when she dies, the family was just like, they always have this way of being like, well, she was old. Yeah. Like, every time somebody dies, which you would think by that's the sixth death, right? This is, oh, we're up to six, yes. They're, they're like, well, she was old. Or like, they, they said uh, with Ippy, they were like, he had drank a lot of wine uh, yeah. the other day, so he probably fell into the fountain or something. Yeah, yeah. It's like, this family is... He loves like, ditch water. <laughs> and the, and the, little, the poor little kid, which I completely forgot about, yeah. they were like, well, he was in the sun a lot. Yeah, they just like the this denial. Which of this I can understand that when th- six people have died. Right, like, I can understand that more so back then that there were a lot more things to kill you. That yeah, that, that and in death Egypt people was... just killed each other so often anyway. Yeah, at least what I hear from like you know the power struggles in a normal family. Yeah, like well, this. if we had an Egyptian expert, we could ask about that. Like we may yeah. have one later on. Danny Shabom actually texted me really, and he said, "Are you guys reading that book about ancient Greece?" And I said, <laughs> "It's ancient Egypt." Dude. Oh, Danny! And now keep in mind, audience, our agent Danny Shabom did die, uh, but the officer Timothy Tibbins, who was expected, who was investigating his death, lost his mind. Believes he's Danny Shabom, and when he reported for work the other day, I didn't have the heart, and I figured. Might as well. So, Danny Shigmon was back to work. He said he's booked as an ancient Egyptian, like, professor expert to be on the show. I don't, Well, that would be great. I don't have a lot of confidence in that, but maybe since it's actually Timothy Tibbins. Instead thinking, of Danny? He might have some maybe he has. Maybe he has, like, some organization, like, deep within him that's being buried by the insanity and the Danny well, Shabon. Let me just ask a question. Who did his last haircut? <laughs> he did his last haircut. Oh, man. He was in a cave. Anyway. Does it look good? 
It's monstrous. <laughs> it's a, a backwards flock of seagulls. It's just the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> anyway, but maybe we might have somebody come explain to us all things about ancient Egypt. Well, you know, I think that it's worth a try. So the last death is, um, and this one happens pretty quickly. So we're up to six. So yeah. East, East the East. last death is Hanet, the servant, who is strangled oh, in the linens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she gets strangled and it's just, you know, she's horrible. So, you know, at the very end, um, you're not left with that many people. But it's not like a detective story like they said for the clues. It's like... Yeah, because at one point, Redisim is like, it can only be these two people. I've got two right. options left. And she makes a case for each one of them in, in her head. Yeah. So you can feel it getting very tense because... There's so few people left, and everybody keeps telling Redisip, like, oh, there's no way that anybody yeah. would kill you. You're the nice person. Everybody likes you. Yeah, You're probably going to be fine. She's, her and Hori are the only, like, gleams of light in this horribly dark family. Yeah. So she gets up to the cliff, and the murderer appears. Zach, who do you think the murderer is? I would love to tell you, but I want to be shocked with the rest of You don't remember life. a single name? Nope. I don't remember who was killed. Who's alive? You could just say a name that you liked. I don't know any of them. I was giving you this one because the, the name of the murderer is the best name of the book. I forget what it Yachmosa. is. Yachmosa. Yachmosa. I'm sorry. You yeah. said so many Egyptian know, names. So They're all so difficult. Yeah, well, I mean, you're not an Egyptian, I'm really, Egyptian expert. When I'm, he comes on, maybe he could talk to us a little bit yeah, about yeah. So, so Yachmosa comes up the cliff, and it's clear to Renesem when she sees the look on his face. Like, he looks deranged. Yeah. He looks like a murderer, and it all clicks in her head. Yeah. You know, Satibi wasn't looking past. And it's another Christy trick where she tells you exactly what's happening in yeah. multiple times. Satibi's not looking past Yachmosa at the ghost of Nofre and, and falling off the cliff. She's looking at Yachmosa. And realizes, and like, like, confirms yeah. what she are, and yeah. and they say she probably witnessed because you know a lot of it has to be conjecture because they don't have a detective to sum it up at the right. end. Which I think that's the only part that gets a little clunky is the sum up because it's a little hard because you don't have Poirot like you know getting to explain. Which I kind of like because oh, yeah. I, I get a little I get a little get like get a little bored with the sum ups. Yeah. So I kind of like that they're like, huh. Well, I guess that's what they're that was. Kind of, I guess that yeah. So they like oh, Satipi must have seen him do it, and that's what made her shrink in on herself. Right, and that's what he was like, oh, yeah, now people respect me. Yeah, and then, yeah. so, you know, Satipi, so, and then the, he, pretty much everything after that was covering his tracks and taking control of the house. Like right, because he, he going back to everybody, immediately eliminated him because he got poisoned and then he wouldn't get better. Yes. But he got barely poisoned because yeah. he drank he slowly, deliberately, knew that his brother, who was impetuous, would just go at it like Zach goes at orange juice. <laughs> Um, but like a real man. Go, go, go. <laughs> Zach starts when he finishes. Exactly. When you hear a glug glug at orange juice, he starts when he finishes. <laughs> Zach finishes when he starts. I shotgunned that orange juice bottle, <laughs> and he told me that often when he opens an orange juice, he'll put the beginning date on it, and then so he'll put the end date. So challenge. That's the reason why he had to dispose of the orange juice card because, because I had, had written the same day. I had written the date of opening, and it was the same day of closing. Yep. Closing of finishing. <laughs> Wonder why he even bothered to write that. Um, because it wasn't yeah. the plan. <laughs> so the plan wasn't drink all the orange juice. The plan was have a have a <laughs> cup of orange juice, and you you got greedy. <laughs> I, um, I so up. and then, so yeah, Mosa just pretended 
the whole time that he wasn't getting better so that he would be above suspicion. And I fell for it. Like I said, I had read it and I don't remember. The whole time I thought, for some reason I had it stuck in my head that it was the old woman. That is what I convinced myself, which makes me think that I didn't actually read the whole book, that I stopped mm, somewhere maybe. before Issa's death. Yeah. Because then it was like, she died. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah Wait. I, I, I guess, I, because it was spoiled for me, I always thought, is this one a little obvious? But it's only obvious when you know it. And when I read it I was surprised. time, I was like, oh, no, that is an amazing ending. Yeah. And and the cool part about it is it's so simple. When No Fret arrived and changed everybody's dynamic, she changed his dynamic. He, she right. made him snap. He was like, yeah. I'm tired of being humiliated for not being a man. I'm a man now. I'm going to take charge of the house. Right. I'm going to kill literally everybody here. And I think that is one thing that I like. Like I said, some stuff was on the nose, but I liked that Renesim was like, how could everybody change so much? Right. And I don't, can't remember if it was the grandmother or if it was Hori. That he was like, you know, no one actually yeah. ever changed. Everybody was putting on a front. Yeah. She, Satipi like always made herself out to be a bully because she was so insecure. And mm-hmm. Yachimosa always had this secret desire to be in charge, but he tamped it down until he just couldn't anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was really good, I so thought. So great. I, because, I love that. Because um, I read a book a couple years ago that had the same thing in it. It was this whole cast of characters, and they... Like, they're put in this really, really extreme situation, and, like, everybody changes. And, like, the, mm. the like the dumb guy with no job that you thought was, like, just a real loser, like, saves everybody. And the, the powerful influencer guy who was, like, oh, everybody was, like, he's going to be the one who gets us through this became completely useless. Mm. And in five seconds of, of something bad happening, he's, like, nope, can't handle this. And they're like, that's, th- this disaster makes you meet the actual person. Yeah. And I think that she did that really well. Yeah. No. It wasn't just, oh, everybody was, f- everybody did a 180. It was like, no, this is why they were yeah. the way they were. Super clever. Yeah, yeah it was. And uh, Hori saves Renesem by shooting uh, Yamosa with an arrow, which is pretty sick. <laughs> Came he's out like, of nowhere. He's yeah. like, uh, I mean, yeah, it would have been nice if there was a little more talk about Hori shooting arrows. But it was like, yeah. got him with an arrow. Because <laughs> he just falls back with an arrow. Yeah. He's back. Um. Yeah, and so the ending of it is, and so we didn't even talk about Kamini, who is the character who comes back with no fret. And so there's this whole question on whether or not uh, Kamini and Emre Desem are going to get together. Is, is so, like, what is he? Like, what is he, Gen Z? Is he a TikToker? Like, yeah, what would you he's call a TikTok him? boy. He sits around all day, Zach. He, all he does is, is write songs. And sing, which there's nothing wrong it's with like, that. Sam but walking through the room. He's mopey singing, and like he sings uh, the same song over and over through. again. And yeah, the, Black he, Parade. He needs attention so it. badly, and he's like, so um, do you like you know want to go out on the river or something? Like it's the Nile. It's supposed to be pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of it. It's this little thing. I I I like. You know, I, I know about it. Because <laughs> I know a spot. I know I know this one spot that not a lot of people go to. It's like the backyard or whatever. Yeah, most is mowing it. And Renesim is so funny. <laughs> it's all desert. <laughs> it's desert water. Sand blowing out. They have a, they have a gas-powered lawnmower. <laughs> Zero turn. <laughs> oh my gosh. And Renesim is so funny when she's with him. Because she's like... Like, you know, oh, he's cute, you know, and oh, he sings nice, and he has... She's so obsessed with shoulders. Mm-hmm. At the Chris very broad beginning, shoulders. she's talking about the shoulders of her, of her dead husband. Broad shoulders, yeah. she, she was really into the broad shoulders thing. 
Um, and how he could just, he was like, he laughed easily or something. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he reminded her a lot of his, of her, of her previous yeah. husband. And um, she kind of was just a little subservient to him and just like, you know, Kai, Kai or Kay, like, he just kind of Kai. told me what to do and I just kind of did it and I was happy that way. Right, yeah. Um, she, and she, she says a lot like, okay, can I just be me? Yeah. I don't know who I am. Right. Can I just figure out who I am before I move on with my life? But whenever she's around Kamini, she's just kind of like, she glazes over. Like, you can just tell right. in her dialogue. She's like, so it was autopilot. uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. That's great. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, that's, that's cool And so song. it's this new chord that I have. <laughs> um, yeah. I, like, I've never heard of it. Yeah, so it's like, probably, he's probably like, <laughs> very bad at guitar. Like, he's like, watched two or three YouTube videos. Yeah. And he's, like, he's never in tune. Ear. She's like, some oh. people call me the space cowboy. And she's like, OMG, yeah, it's great. Like, can we go back inside now? So I think, like, the conclusion is satisfying that, because Imhotep was like, uh, oh, because Kamini is like, will you marry Renesemba? And she's like, I-, I don't know. Should we get married while so many people are dying? And so he goes to Imhotep, and he's like, yeah, that makes sense. You guys should get married. And so at the end, when she's talking to Hori, he saved her life, uh, he's like, well, do you want to marry me or uh, Kamini? Because when she's like, I don't know what I want to do, Kamini's like, yes, you do. You want to marry me. And so when he asks her, she's like, I don't know what I want to do. And he's like, okay, well, let me know when you know. Yeah. She's like, oh, okay, I, I love you because you're going to let me be myself. And that's how it ends. And I yeah. think that's nice. It's like, it, it was, it's one um, of her better romances and it doesn't feel shoehorned in. It was, no, it wasn't. It was, uh, you, you saw it coming and it was kind of a Cornelia Robeson moment. Yes. That you're like, please no. Because at one yeah. point she was like, yes, Kamini, I will marry yeah. you if you'll please stop singing. But um, the beaten and the dang. She's like, she said, yes, I have to write a song about this. And she's like, oh. Right. But, um, hey, Rasem. I, I liked the, it that like it ended the way it was. Yeah. It was satisfying. Yeah. That it went that and, way. And I mean, there was only so many people left alive to marry. So, <laughs> well, yeah. I guess they were all your family. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, did you have any ideas of like what could possibly be changed about the ending? Um, well, I was confused because I thought yeah, yeah. it was supposed to, it, like, she changed the killer. I feel like probably it was, I, I don't think she changed the, like, the romance. I think, mm-hmm. like we talked about with, uh, Towards Zero, I think that that was intentional. That's mm-hmm. what she meant. I think that they, it might have been the situation, like, the cliche of, yeah. of how it happened. Like you said, like, Hori was just like, you didn't know I was good at archery, did you? Yeah, maybe not. And I, I thought it was possible that Renesem died. Uh huh. Maybe not. But what John Coran says that he doesn't think that part, he said, it's still kind of a mystery, but she had some backup killers in the book. One idea was Hanette. And Hanette does die late, so that could be a possibility. Mm-hmm. But the twist would be that Hanette had killed the mother because she was obsessed with Imhotep. Yeah. And this was all about that. I think it could very, I think everything lends itself to being Hanette, but in true Christie fashion, she was like, this is what you're going to think. Yeah. Now this is what I'm going to do. No, I think Yakmosa is the perfect killer. So I think if anything yeah. she changed, like you said, was just with the way it ended. And it's always been blown up, I think, for the marketing of this book that he has the original Death Comes as the End uh, ending. And that's just a marketing thing because the ending, I don't think, is that different from what ended up coming. Right. Death, the killer, I don't think, was ever not Yakmosa. I no, probably, because I think, why would a publisher be like or somebody else be like no you have to change that I think it was Stephen Glanville being like oh you have to change this about the denouement because it's not act- like oh they would have had arrows or something like that right or like um, you know, they had guardrails on the tombs nobody could have been falling off all the time <laughs> 
Uh, and Sobek was skateboarding off of them. Um, flipping. The one last thing I want to say uh, before we rank it is that Christy had an even more ambitious idea. Like, this is a watered-down idea based off of what she originally had, which was that um, she was going to have a parallel modern family running in the same book. Oh, my gosh. An Egyptian family and a parallel modern family with the same uh-huh. crime happening. Yeah, yeah. And then John Coran says, knowing Christy, it probably would have had different endings. And, I mean, I'm, oh, yeah. imagine Which how... I, I feel that it works because it has such a yeah. contemporary feel. Right. Even though she did a very good job of keeping it not boring, mm-hmm. historical, but... But she wasn't worried about like, oh, okay, this has to be historically accurate. It's like, it's Egypt, there's crocodiles, there's... You get it. There's the Nile, blah, blah, blah. And I think it would have been cool, however, in the modern story about the ending, somebody with an arrow just shows up. Yes. In the middle of like Manhattan or something. And he's like, (laughs) what up, brah? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm glad... That's such a cool idea. I'm glad she didn't do it because, you know, it either would have been a massive book or she would have had to shorten it and it would have lost some of its punch. But, but that's a, really interesting that really you say cool that. Idea. I never knew that. But it, I feel like you could tell from the background because it felt like one of her typical families yeah. that was just Definitely. in a different setting, yeah, which made it very enough. relatable. Definitely. Yeah. I loved the, it. The only other thing that I thought of that could have been a possibility, and again, I think this just comes from run, reading it so fast, um, a thing that Christy could have done, and again, I thought this when I forgot who it actually was, was that it could have been Renison. Mm, yeah. There was a case for that because she never really talked about herself except for just how lost she felt and yeah. how different everything was. And she was, it, it always kind of hinted at her being just a little bit unstable. Yeah. <laughs> she was always just a little bit uwu. <laughs> I always thought it would have been cool, but it doesn't really work for it to have been uh, Imhotep. Um, just because he is like yeah. literally the last person you suspect, it just like right. it never would have made sense. But she, yeah, but she made him so obviously like, not. No, it, he's an yeah. Idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so I just love the experience of reading this so much. Mm-hmm. Like I love discussing it. This is like one of the. This is some of the most fun I've had discussing a book on the podcast. Me too. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I just I I want to read this again. Say And I want to. <laughs> it's so fun. I want to make. Oh, and I wanted to say that too. That. Um, Somebody made this list I just found the other day of Christie's villains ranked from most evil to least evil. That's great. Yahumosa was number one. Oh my gosh. Because, you know, he everybody he kills is his family. He kills his, like, kid brother, and some so, random so servant. so slow moving. And yeah. so nefarious. And then the second one. And it's different methods, too. Yeah. Multiple times. And second or third, I think second might have been Justice Wilgrave, but um, after that was the last book we read, was The Killer from the last book, which I won't spoil in case you're out of order or something. But the killer oh, from the last yeah, book absolutely. was also... Yeah, it's yeah, funny yeah. that she's dealing with the most psychotic people right now in her yeah. career. She's got an interest in the craziest. I want to see that list. Yeah, like, I'll send you'll have to send it to me. Yeah. Um, Love a good list. And Yakumosa, what a good name. Yakumosa. I'm glad to know that's how it was pronounced. Yes, I'm really glad. I, I, it's like... Yamos. How is it, yeah, how is it spelled? Like, it should be on every... M-O-S-E. Yeah. And she was going to have a character named Charlotte in it, who was a sculptress, musician, or historical, or political writer. She really had no idea. You can see why she got Charlotte, cut. who could be anything, is pretty much what she She's said. Spaceman. And what she is, is not in this book. She got cat. Um, so, She's too busy making an app about uh, telling so, you what British yeah. is. I recognize that this is not a perfect book. This is not necessarily a five-star book. 
but I loved it so much. It's definitely a four. Yes. I loved it so much on my Goodreads that I gave it five stars because that's where I'm just like, I like to do that because you it let your separates it. You this is my emotional list. This is how it is. So, Death Comes As Again, I agree, is at least a four. Yeah. Let's talk about what's in the, do you think four, 4.5? I'm, I'm going with, with a four. I, I think, think that's fair. Let me tell you what the other fours are. Only for taking, sorry, <laughs> oh, you were so primed there. Only for, like, mm. just the, the old, I would say would be the, like the, like I said, this put on the edge, not on, on, not on the edge, on the nose stuff that she did. Because yeah, yeah. so many times Hanette was like, oh, Imhotep, I'm the only one who likes you. And then Emmy would be like, Hanette, you're the only one who likes me. <laughs> and the grandmother's in the background. She's like, she's flattering you, you idiot. Yeah. And that happened a that. lot. And I think that's what people so, don't like about it. Like, I, I think it works best in this book than another book. But Yeah, I would I be more upset with it. With, I, but I feel like she dumbed it down. Yeah. She could have made it completely subtle where you were like, right. oh, I saw that crazy interchange yeah. of characters, you know. But she was just more like, everybody was like, Hinette, shut up, we hate right. you. I don't, yeah, so the, that's my reasoning for four. I, I, I feel that. Because there's a lot of subtle psychology in this book, but she puts packs so much psychology in this book that she yeah. doesn't have time to make it all subtle. So yeah, I agree. So here are what the four stars are. Are you ready for this? Evil are you ready for this, Zach? I'm ready for this, Zach. <laughs> Evil <laughs> Under the Sun, Hercule uh-huh. Poirot's Christmas, Murder is Easy, Three-Act Tragedy. I think it's better than all of those. Personal. What was the first one? Evil Under the Sun. Like, because the only one I would really see that one I'm so with. confused by because I keep thinking of the film adaptations and not the book. I mean, we, like I don't remember that much one about we were the kind book of itself. Bored with, but we recognized it was it was very good. Yeah, because the the, just the movies clean it up more. Yeah, uh, yeah. and Hercule Poirot's Christmas was a, like a surprise win, and yeah, like we said, these are these are kind of similar. I I just personally like it like it better than all four of these. I'm not gonna say it's necessarily better than Christmas and Evil Under the Sun. But it is... It reminds me so much of Hercule Poirot's Christmas. Yeah. I feel like they kind of go together. And I think it's an improvement on the formula of yeah. Poirot's Christmas. Yeah. Because, again, it's later... Because that was the one where written. she was like, I, I wrote a gory book. It was yeah. like, blood, blood, so much blood. Yeah. She's like, there, I did it. Are you happy now? Um, I have no input. Zach, do you? Nope. <laughs> so do you think it can go over Evil Under the Sun? Since we were a little... Like, Just for, like, sheer, like, novelty value, I feel like it would go above Evil Under the Sun. I do. <laughs> Death Comes As The End is ranked as number 12 Ooh. in the Agatha Christie ranking. This that, is getting very interesting. It is the highest four-star rating, and it is... Do, 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 number three among the standalone stories. All right. Which is the top, are, and then we're on towards zero, death comes at the end, murder is easy, secret of chimneys. You know. Yeah. I'm <coughs> there, but sorry. That was so exciting. I've been waiting for that for so long. Is it going to be a letdown now? You're like, I don't want to do the rest of the podcast. No. Oh, I'm no, super, you still got the hollow. I have the hollow, to. and then I have a ton more that I'm excited about. I'm really, really excited about Elephants Can Remember, because I remember reading it, telling you it was awful and you should never read it, and I have no idea why I hated it so there much. Yeah. So and I want to. I'm gonna wait because I know it's a late ones. one too. Yeah. But I really I cannot wait to read it again because I want to know what my problem was. Because I remember absolutely nothing about it. Just being ones. like, what a stupid book, and I don't know why it made me so angry. There's a ton of great ones. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to like after the funeral, and I'm looking forward to every single yeah. one because there's a lot that I that I'm a little. So what's next? Shaky on. Next is a. He burped. Next <laughs> is another Mary Westmacott. I was gonna say romance, but as uh, we've learned on this podcast, they're not romances. They're psychological studies. Absent in the spring. 
Okay. Which is one I know nothing about, so I'm excited about it. Okay. I'm always excited to read something I've never read before. Now, uh... I still don't feel that I've learned enough about ancient Egypt. Let me see. Do we have an ancient Egyptian... Oh, there's somebody at the door. That's uh, weird. Well, it's not our pizza because we already got that. Come exactly. in. Get the door. Huh. Huh. Oh, so, sorry, guys. Oh, sorry. You, I'm sorry. Let me look. Let me look at my script because this podcast is scripted. <laughs> Are you Sean Pooningwall? Yeah, that's me. I'm Sean Pooningwall. Um, sorry, I would have been here a lot sooner, but Danny Shaybaum accidentally gave me his address, and then I had to stay there for. Uh, Fajita Saturday, okay. and that lasted a long time. It's not a very catchy name. Wow, it's not. He it doesn't seem like that clever of a man. Were they good? Well, no. <laughs> That's fair. You know, Danny, it's probably because they were leftovers from Fajita Friday. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, we thought about letting Danny Shebaum go, but he's technically dead, so we were <laughs> keeping him. But I'm the, not going to ask. The reason why <laughs> the, Danny booked you for this episode is because we're talking about Death Comes as the End, which is a book actually set in ancient Egypt. And so it doesn't go that deep into, like, the life we of somebody. We wanted to know in, more about right, yeah. Egypt. Yeah. So, Have uh, we asked the right person? Absolutely. Oh, so where did, where did you get your education? Well, for me, a lot of it comes from uh, my... So I, I love ancient Egypt as, as a topic. Yeah. And so I've done a lot of, like, research on it, like, listicles and stuff online, as well as I did a VR tour of one of the uh, okay. pyramids. Have you been to Egypt? Well, not yet. I'm still saving up to be able okay. to go. And so where did it's you expensive. where did you get your degree? I got degree? Where did you go to school for to like history or Well, I, I I've read all the books, so he's he's probably, you yeah. know, got more than a degree. Here's, here's, definitely here's the question <laughs> is does a degree qualify you or the knowledge qualify you? Definitely because, the knowledge. Because that's the that's knowledge I have the degree, I don't. Because again, <laughs> I'm saving up to go to Egypt and that's to put fair. all that money into school. It just doesn't make any sense. Since I, I know pretty much all the things. It's a waste that's of time. Good. Exactly. Waste time, waste money. I agree. Um, so we're just going to ask you some questions about ancient Egypt. Um, I've got some in mind. You okay. have some in mind. And Zach has some in mind. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, it's Sean, Josh, I guess you go yeah, first. Come on, yeah, Sean, where exactly was ancient Egypt? Well, ancient Egypt was, you know, if, if, you've, if you've seen... Like a picture on like Google Earth where like the pyramids are. Yeah. You see, the pyramids are left over from ancient Egypt. So oh, it's in the same place. It's the same place. Okay. Because it's, so it's, it's still ancient Egypt. Egypt is where Egypt is now. Yeah. Oh. So why'd they change see, the name? I've learned. <laughs> well, you say ancient Egypt's all about the stuff that was from, you know, way back. And okay. like modern day Egypt's about remembering the stuff from like way back. I gotcha. Okay. Charlotte? Um... Do you have more? Because going from that Sorry, to mine, I have a question. Mine's, yeah, 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 mine's yeah. a deep cut. So. so Agatha Christie talked about inundation when she talked about her time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sean, just give me this thing. <laughs> so it's about starting her hey, book. Hey, uh, Josh, this is Zach talking. Um, I just don't know what inundation means. <laughs> well, that's what well, I was going to ask. Well, I think that maybe Sean could yeah, tell I was going to ask. That's what I was going to ask Sean. So she talks about the right, action right. of the book taking place and a certain time, the month of inundation, like, what what was that? Do you know? Did it have anything to do with, like, the Nile? Is that when they had to mow it? Well, you say inundation is, it's kind of just like one of them fancy words for flood. So it was, oh. it was like, it was the wet season. Oh, gotcha. And it's interesting because the ancient Egypts were the first people who came up with one of them, their 12-month calendars. They wow. were the first people who had them. 
And so they just inundation was one of them wet times around back then. Okay. When okay. like the Nile got all like real like yeah. overflowing. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So, um, wh- how did you get into Egypt to start with, Sean? Well, I haven't got there yet. No, I'm into the topic of... Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, when I was little, I, I really liked the thought of mummies. <laughs> uh, and so mummies were interesting to me because like, they're all like wrapped up and stuff. And so a lot of times I went to school dressed as a mummy, and it, it was not dress-up day. So I, I was sent home. That's a shame. Yeah. What was the embalmment process like? Well, you say, because in the ancient Egypts, it was all about making sure that, you know, you were still intact in the yeah. afterlife, because, you know, how you leave is how you get there, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So it was all about, like, keeping you nice and fresh. Yeah. So they took out all your inside stuff, <laughs> and they put that in, like, one, like a big jar, uh-huh. and they set that jar over to the side. I'm guessing so that, like, after you wake up, you can swallow it all back again, be all back inside. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Hey, I got some questions. Um, I don't want. I don't want to cut you no, off. You're Josh. good, Zach. I was just gonna ask him really quick. Oh, okay. Um, is yeah. that of the of the Vermont pooning balls? <laughs> no, Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Sorry, I I have a pooning ball in Vermont that I know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are they nice? <laughs> They're pretty nice. Well, this is you, Sean. Oh, I, well, I appreciate that. Go ahead, Zach. Go ahead. Okay. I'm well, gonna flatter you, I guess. So, uh, big question I had is, what's your favorite dinosaur? Well, no, he's here about... That's an interesting question, you see? Because I do like dinosaurs. And can I interrupt Zach and just say that... No, I really want to know the answer to this. Okay, all right. It's a pachycephalosaurus. (laughs) Good choice. You know what that one is? Uh Uh-uh. You know what that one is? Yes. Yeah. It's one one with the hard head and the spiky bits. Okay. Because I like... You know, when I was younger, I liked to headbutt stuff. (laughs) It's I hit my head on stuff. It's your soul dinosaur. It's my soul dinosaur. (laughs) So circling back to Egypt... That's a good question. So, um, so I like. <laughs> I'm an answer. So, um, no, thanks, man. So, um, we, you were talking about the embalming process. So, I had I had kind of a, a technical question. Right. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so the they the Egyptians ancient Egyptians believed that you went into the afterlife and you were judged for your deeds. Right. And so your the heart of every person who came through was weighed on a set of scales, and it was weighed against something, and I can't remember what that something was. So here's the scales, and the heart's on one side, and then there was this object on the other, a side of the scales that your heart was weighed against, and I can't remember what it was. Well, see, it really depended on, you know, if they had what they needed at the time. Because sometimes, you know, the ancient Egyptians, (laughs) they were, they were, they were a forgetful people. They sure. they lost track of stuff. They had them they yeah. had them big tombs that they kept blocking stuff in, and they were like, "Oh, I forgot to grab the scale thing." Oh. In there. Yeah. And so, a lot of times, what happened is because you know a lot of people don't realize that cats down there they were real special. They were I loved them cats like they were royalty. It's true. Okay, yeah. they were I very have sacred. Heard that. And so most time, what they do is they tie like three cats together, right? And they pop them on one side of the scale. Oh, because so that's like a whole lot of holy in one spot. <laughs> How they tie them together? Like by the tail? Like the rope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so the pureness of your heart was weighed against a whole lot of holy cats. Three. Three. Okay. Most, most time three. If they, they, okay. could, they found all three. Whatever uh, they had they, laying around. Okay. <laughs> most people have few cats. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And so if you had three cats at home, you'd be weighing against your own cats. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It does. Yeah, yeah, it does yeah. make Which sense. Uh, temple did you tour? VR. <laughs> Which temple did you VR tour? It was a uh, one. It was Tutankhamun's uh, tomb. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> As King Tut, if you don't Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's your favorite, like, what's your favorite Egypt fact to, like, whip out of a dinner party? Well, my favorite Egyptian fact to whip out of a dinner party is about the curse of the mummy. You know about the curse of the mummy, guys? Not off the top of my head. Um, I'd, I'd love to know more. Well, it's, it's involved uh, with King Tut and Kame, King King Tut. <laughs> and, see, whenever we discover King Tut's tomb... And people just start dropping like flies. I'll tell you that. Oh. And people love hearing about people dropping like flies. I assume that's why they listen to your podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, some, some real fun ones that came about from that, and I'm just whipping this out from the top of my head, is that actually the first person to ever go inside King Tutankhamun's tut. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I like to call it. That's a good name. The tut. <laughs> okay, his tomb. Uh, <laughs> not long after that, he was out. He was outside tomb. He was shaving his face because you know they were all clean shaving back in the day. You know they, they didn't like uh-huh. that beard. But it was real hot down over there in Egypt. And he had a mosquito bite, and he cut his mosquito bite and died oh. like a couple days later, yeah. like wow. right after he had just discovered King, King Tutankhamun's hut. That's a, <laughs> King wow. Tutankhamun. That's a bummer. Yeah. Wow. There's another guy, right? Just real close off off the bat is that he never went inside his hut. <laughs> but he had a friend of his who gave him a mummified hand with with oh. a with a bracelet as a paperweight. You know, he's a little cheeky gift. Wow, to that that's uh, that's interesting. If you love old crusty stuff, it's, it's, <laughs> it's the thing to get. I do love. Yeah, old I hear that. <laughs> and so he got it, and not long after his house burnt down. Oh my gosh! And hit the the bracelet said it was it had like. The curse of the mummy transcribed on it, saying, oh, okay. you know. But he didn't die in that. But then when he went to go build his house back in the same spot, a flood took it away. Wow. Yeah, it was two times happened to him. All, all about that mummy hand. Wow. I whipped that out. I got another question. Um, have you ever wanted to be a T-Rex? <laughs> Why are all your questions dinosaur? Let the man answer. It's all right. It's all right. I have never wanted to be are T-Rex. We, can I ask you, are we paying you by the hour? I'm getting paid? <laughs> yeah, okay, never mind. <laughs> oh, that's going to say. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> I never want to be T-Rex because I don't like how mean they are. I like I want to be one of them nice dinosaurs, like one of them long neck guys. Or or the Pachycephalosaurus. Right. Yeah, I do like head buttons, so if I choose, I'd be one of them too. That makes a lot of sense. And um, just one quick follow-up question on that. Uh, do you think that you'd be scared if a dinosaur was in your house when you got home? <laughs> well, without a shadow of that, I'd be scared. I mean, them big fellers. <laughs> right. Um, in Death Comes Out the End, uh, one of the themes is that, you know, even though men were rulers, men are the head of the household, women right, yeah, yeah. ran things in Egypt. And that's right. a common thing in history with, with the queens and... Is that that? Did you do you see that? That's true with your research, and you have any examples of that? Well, absolutely. I mean, you had um, Cleopatra, mm-hmm. who ran things back in uh, in in ancient Egypt. But fun fact, she wasn't actually Egyptian. Yeah, <laughs> that's that. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah she, she was. She her. Which really, I think this is where Taylor, right? which this is where Danny <laughs> Shabon got things wrong. Oh, this is where he was close. Is that she was actually Greek? Oh, that's what he must have been thinking. He about. must have been thinking about Cleopatra. <laughs> 
Yeah, his haircut does look like Cleopatra's wig. I couldn't tell which side of his head was <laughs> where his <laughs> eyes were because he had one of the backwards flat seagulls. He wearing corduroy. Was he wearing corduroy? He was wearing all corduroy. <laughs> does he still have that pet bat? Um, well, he still got it, but his <laughs> ain't alive no more. Oh, oh got some lover. Charlotte, do you have any questions? I feel like we got to wrap this up soon. Um, I, I, I don't. Um, thank you. So I only much. have I have one more. What's the sure. highest number that you can count to? I've not never tried. <laughs> never tried count that high, but I guess I can get over a hundred thousand if I really wanted to. Well, maybe the next time we'll have you back and, and find out. Well, thank you so much, Sean Pooningval. Yep, graduate. That's P O O N I N J V A L L. If you wanna, I'm from Wisconsin. Yeah, you can come over. You say hi. Thank you so much for for giving us your time and sharing your knowledge. Please go over and say hi to Sean Pooningval, Wisconsin. And with that, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, that is one heck of an episode. Man, and we'd like to, you know, we'll give a thanks to our guest, uh, Sean Booningval. We want to give a, a thanks to Yakamosa. Oh, yes. For giving us the most interesting name uh, ever. And we want to thank Zach for coming prepared with little index cards. With and his all dinosaur, dinosaur questions. Theme related questions. I forgot what the book was going to be about. And, well, a mystery in dinosaur times would be interesting. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. And uh, we, of course, we want to give a thanks to Danny Shabob. Wherever you are, we hope you're cutting your hair. <laughs>